Well, here we are. The last day of 2023. That's really hard to believe, isn't it? Time is filled with swift transition. You know, when James said it's like a vapor, it appears for a little while and it vanishes away, he, that was the truth for sure, right? Some of you may have had a great 2023. I hope you did. I hope we all did. Some of you may have had a horrible 2023. Whether it was good or bad, we're turning the page on it. Our elders challenged us this year to be in the Word. To be in the Word more. I hope that you have found yourself in the Word more. In my household, I am thankful that they get it. I I hear two of the four of us, I'll hear their Bible reading, playing to them, and then I'll have one that reads from theirs every night. And that means a lot to me as a, a father, as a husband, as a minister. And I want to set that example for them as well. I hope that you feel that way with your families. I hope that you have found time to be in the Word more. You know, this year we've preached a lot of sermons. We've did a lot of Wednesday night invitations. We've had great people come home and ask for prayers. We've had great people be added to the kingdom just last week. Sister Veronica was added to the kingdom and we're proud of her. You know, and so it's been a great year. You know, it's a financial struggle in society and, you know, it's a financial struggle just about everywhere we go. And so, yes, there are days that are bleak. There are days that have been alarming. But guess what? Later on in what Virgil talked to us in Matthew 6, Jesus said, if you put Him first, if you seek Him first, all these things, the food, the clothing, the shelter, the water, all these things are going to be added to you. And so we find ourselves on the last day of 2023, hopefully farther along in our walk with God as we were January of this year. But no matter how much time goes by, no matter how much we read and we study, no matter how much we give and we receive, no matter how good our health, no matter how bad our health, the greatest need we have as human beings is to be forgiven. That is our greatest need. Why is it our greatest need? Because we're all sinners. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So as I close out sermon-wise this year, a year where we have been challenged to be in the book, that book reminds us that we are sinners. But it also reminds us that we have a Savior. And see, our God knows that. He knows we need forgiveness. I can't forgive you. You can't forgive me. Now, I can have a forgiving spirit, but I can't release you from your sins. You can't release me from my sins. Only 
God, through Jesus Christ, can release us from our sins. And I'm so thankful that God loved us enough to send us Jesus. So as we close out this year, let's talk about that greatest need. You see, if our greatest need had been information, God would have given us an educator. He would have sent the, the, the wisest person of all who knew all the ins and outs, all the math, all the science, all the language, all the history, all the things that we would have needed to know. If that's what we needed to know and needed the most, God would have sent somebody to give it to us. But our greatest need wasn't an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have given us a scientist. Now listen, I'm thankful for the technology we have. Hey, technology can do great things or it can get us in great trouble, right? But hey, I remember uh, having a conversation with Claude Thompson years ago. And this was before the iPhone came out. And he said, Terry, one day you'll have a computer in your pocket. I mean, Brother Claus, pretty wise guy, right? Because here we are, we all have computers in our pockets or purses. But that's not our greatest need. If our greatest need had been money, God would have given us an economist. Money is needed. To own food, clothing, and shelter, we need money. God, as was said earlier, He gives us that. He gives us what we need, and so we need money. But that is not our greatest need. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have given or sent an entertainer. God wants us to be happy. He wants us to laugh. I love to laugh. I love to have fun. I get pleasure out of watching a lot of different things and being with different people and, and, and laughing and cutting up and maybe doing your hobby or whatever it is. Pleasure is important. I believe God wants us to be happy people. But that was not our greatest need however our greatest need was and still is forgiveness so God sent a savior and I'm so thankful he did I'm so thankful that today I can be forgiven of my sins. Bo read to us from 1 John 1, 6 and 7. Verse 7 is that verse that we like to quote, right? If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship. We're in fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from our sins. 
That's present tense. That's current. It wasn't a past tense. It wasn't a future tense. It's current. If I walk in the light, all right, how do I get in the light? Well, I do like Veronica did. I, I submit my life to Jesus Christ. I say, Lord, I'm laying it all down for you. And God, through this act of baptism, contacts us with that blood of Jesus. And because that blood of Jesus is cleansed us from our sins at that moment, as long as I continue in the light, His blood continuously cleanses me of my sins. Our greatest need in life is forgiveness. Because if we miss heaven, we've missed it all. You know, we, we can set out great goals, and you might have great goals, or you might spend some time today writing those down or reflecting on what you need and what you want to do, and, and however you do it. But we, we might have some great goals, and some of those goals may be, hey, to, to move up in my job, to make straight A's, to, to make more money, whatever it may be. And those in themselves are not bad goals, right? They're not bad dreams. But we must go into this new year knowing that those aren't our greatest goals. Our greatest goal in life is heaven. We want to go to heaven. We want to be where God is. Forgiveness is waiting for us, but sometimes, unfortunately, sin stands in the way. Matthew 6, again, we taught that in my Bible class this morning, and, and Virgil referenced it in uh, the giving portion of uh, before we had communion today. And I want to take your mind there. You see... Jesus said in those verses that Virgil read to us, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust will destroy or thieves will break in and steal. Rather, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can destroy nor thieves can break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then he goes on to talk about your eyes, your focus, right? Uh, you, those two eyes need to be focused on things that are going to make our heart have the treasure of heaven. Because then, he said in verse 24, you cannot serve God, and he said money there, but I suggest to you anything else. You can't have two masters. What stands in the way of people being forgiven? That other master. Why will somebody not walk the aisle and be obedient to the gospel? Why will somebody not continue in the light as he is in the light? Because something else is standing in the way. And we can polish it all up, and we can call it this, and we can call it that, but it boils down to if it is not God, it is sin. If God is not first, then He's not at all. You talk about priorities going into the new year. If, if God is not number one, folks, He's not at all. How do I know that? Bubba referenced it in Wednesday night Bible class. And by the way, David, Mike, thank you guys for filling in. Y'all did a great job. But 
but he talked about way back in Moses' day. As Moses was up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments from God, they were building, putting their gold and earrings and such into a fire and molding a calf. Aaron led that charge. The same one who stood before Pharaoh and spoke. He was the spokesman. And now he's leading a charge to serve another god. And it might have been beautiful, right? I mean, it was made of gold. It may have been the most beautiful calf. It may have been just shiny and everything else. And they could have polished it up. And they could have made it the most spectacular idol of all. But you know what it was? Sin. You can polish it up all you want. But it is sin. When it comes to priorities, God must come first. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, I did not come to destroy the law and prophets, but to fulfill it. Now think about this. What was number one? He didn't, it's still wrong to commit adultery. It's not written on the law now, it's written on that heart. It starts with lust, and that's what he's talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. But hear me out. It's still wrong to murder. Now, it's, it's not just written on a stone. It's written on the heart because we know that murder starts with hatred is what he's saying. So, if, if he didn't come to destroy the law and those things are still against God, well, then number one still is as well. No other gods before me. If he is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. And so as we close out this year, you have to focus and examine yourself. Am I forgiven? The page is going to turn if Jesus Christ doesn't come back. Do I want to walk one more day unforgiven? Do I want to walk one more day knowing that if something were to happen to me, my body was separated from my soul today? that my soul would spend eternity in eternal flames? Do I want to know that's my destiny? Do I want that guilt standing over me? No. No one in their right mind would. So we can call it time. We can call it job. We can call it hobbies. We can call it family. We can call it money. We can call it all these things and we can polish it up and, and make it seem like, oh yeah, and justify it, right? They were justifying this golden calf. But what was it in the end? Sin. What did Moses do with it? He melted it, he grinded it, and he made them drink it and get rid of it. Because there should be no other God before him. So what do we do? I love Acts 8. I love the Ethiopian eunuch. That is my favorite. I mean, when I am teaching someone about Jesus, about baptism, I always, if I'm having a Bible study, I always go to Acts 8. You know how it goes, right? This Ethiopian eunuch is heading back. He works for Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. Philip, by the Holy Spirit, has been commanded to run up 
and he gets on that chariot. He's reading from Isaiah, specifically Isaiah 53, and he, he's reading about a man who goes through all these things. It's that great prophecy of Jesus that we read at Lord's Supper and, and different times. It's beautiful, right? Beautifully written. And he's reading that, and, and he's thinking, this is remarkable, this is remarkable that somebody would do this. And, and in his mind, can't you see his light bulbs going off, his wheels turning? He's like, who is this? And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I unless somebody explains it to me? He said, I need to know. Who is this man talking about? Is he talking about himself or somebody else? He said, he's talking about Jesus. And he began at that scripture and he taught him Jesus. Now along the way, we have to conclude, right, that he taught him how to get into Jesus. How to be forgiven. He didn't say, hey, when you go back to Ethiopia, uh, we'll find somebody. Spend some time on it. No. He came to some water and he asked the question, he being the eunuch, he said, here's water, what's stopping me? In other words, what do I do next? In Acts chapter 2, they were cut to the heart and they said, what do we do to get rid of this sin? What do we do? If I'm convicted in my heart, and folks, I'm telling you, we're going to preach conviction at this church. I mean, I, listen, I'd love to get up here for 52 straight Sundays and just preach, you know, everything is just sunshine and rainbows. But we live in a world full of sin. And we live in a society that loves and idolizes and puts at the top sin, glorifies it. Clean it up however you want, but it is sin. And so we've got to preach conviction. And we've got to be convicted. So if I'm convicted in my heart, the question has to be, what do I need to do? Well, I'm going to tell you. The first thing we've got to do is confront the fact of sin. First John 1, you can turn there with me if you don't mind. First John 1, we're going to pick up and begin in verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus His Son, Jesus Christ His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. I'm here to report to you today, as we've said already, that we, if we are of the age of accountability, are sinners. 
We are, and that is a fact. What is sin? It's transgression of God's will. It's separation from God. What does sin do? It provides a gap between God and myself. God doesn't move, but I do. I move away from Him. And as long as sin is separating me from God, I'm not forgiven. And I'm lost. You know what the reality is? And this is so hard. I mean, when I typed this in my notes and as I thought about it, I'm like, man, that's just hard to say. But most folks are not forgiven. And I think we know that, but when I verbalized it, when I put it down, boy, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Most folks in this, in the world, they're not forgiven. And that's sad. It's sad because that means we know where their destination will be. Somebody says, hey, well, you know, I, I, I didn't sin. I, I just made a little mistake. Well, see, that's not confronting the fact of sin. Just like when we say, oh, it was a little white lie. Well, no, it wasn't. They're all lies. Sin is sin, okay? And, and they're the mistakes, you know, I, I might make a mistake by turning the wrong way. That's a mistake. Sin is separation from God. We can call sin a mistake. We can call it an error or a psychological twist. But God still calls it sin. What is sin? Instead of making God the center of our lives, we make self the center of our lives. That's not a mistake. That's a sin. I love Bill's on purpose. I love that. Now, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm going to be on the other side of that for a moment. But when I sin, it's on purpose. Here's why I say that. James said we are drawn away by our own lusts, desires, enticements. It's selfish. It really is. It's something I want. Now... <laughs> We all can justify it, right? We can justify it. And, and, and by the way, were they justifying uh, building a golden calf? You know they were. Oh, wow, this thing's beautiful. God would be so proud of this. We, we gave, right? We gave and we made. I mean, you can, I don't know what all they were saying, but you could imagine. How else could that I mean? Moses up receiving the law. I mean, I'm, there's flashes and lightning and all this stuff, and they're building this golden calf. We can justify it in our minds. But at the end of the day, we did it on purpose. Oh, sure, there are times we sin and we don't think about it. I get that. But the sin that separates us from God, if I am separated from God, has been on purpose. In Luke chapter 15, there are three lost things. There's a lost coin, there's a lost sheep, and there's a lost son. And I want to focus on that son just a moment. We won't read that story, but, but the prodigal son we're pretty familiar with, right? Three things in that story I want you to think about. 
he, he liked fun until there was a famine. And then he realized how foolish he was. Now hear me out. He said, give me mine. What is that? On purpose, right? Give me mine. Remember, the Father is God in the story. And we, the sinner, are the Son. By the way, the Son was part of the Father. So today you could say that's a baptized believer who took their sin that God allowed them, the Father allowed them to have it, He took that sin and He went and He separated Himself so far He became a citizen of that sinful place. And He was having fun. Again, I talked about the beginning. I like to have fun. I like to laugh. But when when we're getting our laughter and fun off of sin, that's, that's not good. He was having fun. But then there's this famine. His money's ran out. His belly is grumbling. He cannot find food. He is so hungry that he's working in that pig pen, an unclean animal to him. He is working, and he's so hungry he would eat their slop. The fun ran out when the famine took over. He found himself at bottom. And he realized how foolish he had been. And he came to himself in that pig pen. And he said, I'm going to beg my father to make me a servant. How's the story end? You know. The father's waiting. He's longing for his son to come home. And when he's a long way off, and I can just picture the son rehearsing this speech, you know. Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. Uh, Please, don't give me my bed back. Don't give me my room back. Just make me one of your servants. The father heard nothing of it because he knew his son who was dead is alive again who was lost, is now found. So the father celebrated. But the son had to realize the fact of sin. So what else do we have to do today to be forgiven? We've got to confess once we realize the fact of sin. We've got to confess the fault of that sin. 1 John 1, 9, if we, if we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Instead of facing the sin, confessing the sin, oftentimes we are tempted to cover up the sin, to hide the sin. And this didn't just originate with us. You think about a child. (laughs) Did you do this? They're trying to cover it up. They're trying to hide it, but it's in plain view, you know. 
you know they're guilty. Kind of like a little dog at our house does something in the house, and I'm standing over that dog. Did you do this? When I good and well know they did. God knows, right, when we've messed up. He knows when we've made a mistake. But what do we do? We cover it up. What about David? Didn't David do that? David lusted over Bathsheba, then he slept with Bathsheba, another man's wife. And instead of confessing it, by the way, this is the one who was after God's own heart. Instead of confessing it, he hid it. He covered it up. He tried to make Uriah go home. Hey man, take a night off. Go in, be with your wife. Congratulations, you're going to be a father. That didn't work, so he said, hey, I'll get him drunk, and then I'll run him home, and he'll do that. And I'll say, congratulations, you're going to be a father. That didn't work. He said, so I'll just have him killed. And he did. Until Nathan said, you are that rich man. Then he sat down and he penned the words, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. In Luke fifteen seventeen through 19, what I was just talking about. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. What happened in the pig pen? What happened with David? They realized the fact of sin. And then they got to the point where they confessed the fault of their sin. And that's what we have to do too. I mean, don't we want to have fellowship with God? Don't we want to walk those golden streets? Don't we want to sit at His throne? Don't we want to be there with our loved ones? Don't we want that? Yes, we want that. Then if sin's holding us back, we've got to confess it. And it leads us to one last thing. We must call for that forgiveness of sin. You see, God's faithful to His Word. In fact, it's impossible for Him to lie. So when we read the Word of God, the inspired Word of God, we know that it is truth. God's also just in His work. He's fair. He's just. But you know, somebody had to pay. Because He is just. Listen, I don't want people to walk around children. I don't want y'all to think that God is waiting and just waiting for us to mess up so that He can punish us and destroy us with fire and all these things. That's not who God is. God's the Father in Luke 15 who's longing for us to come home. I don't want children to grow up thinking that that's how mean and, and, and just tough and unruly God is. But I also don't think we need to, to not point out that God is just. And sin had to be punished. 
Okay, we went unpunished, but it had to be punished. In fact, Psalm 75, beginning in verse 6 through 8, for exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup. And the wine is red. It is fully mixed. And he pours it out. Surely its dregs shall all the wicked of the earth drain and drink down. That cup that's figuratively spoke of there that God pours out is his wrath over sin. Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath so we can drink from God's cup of salvation. Let me say that one more time. Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath so that we can drink from God's cup of salvation. Our greatest need be forgiven. The price has been paid. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10, I said the call of forgiveness there. He wrote about confessing Jesus calling on the name of the Lord. Well, if you clarify that or let that harmonize with Acts chapter 22 verse 16 you'll see exactly what he meant Ananias said to Saul there as Saul is retelling about his conversion he said and now and now why are you waiting arise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord Today, your greatest need is not new health, it's not new clothes, it's not new cars, it's not new whatever. Those things are nice. Those things are good in themselves. Your greatest need, my greatest need, is to be forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. But in order to do it, I've got to confront that there is sin in my life. I've got to confess that there is sin in my life, and I've got to call on the name of the Lord. Just like Ananias said, as we come to a close, if sin is separating you from God, why are you waiting It's time to arise now and be baptized, washing away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Won't you do it right now? It's together. We stand and sing.